What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has... Escape the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's. Yeah, it's a lot of points that they gave up to uh, fewer points that they scored uh, against UCLA at the Coliseum uh, in front of like 68,000 people, I think was the, a lot of people the actual attendance. Uh, we're here, uh, not in the Rain of Troy studios in Los Angeles. We're in the What's Brewing studios in Los Angeles uh, with our friend Jake Merrifield of the What's Brewing show. Go Bruins! Okay, you're not supposed to press the button. <laughs> we are Hello, I'm here. Your show. Thank you. People are going to tune out yes, if, if you're misbehaving My bad, here. I'll, I'll button it up. All right, good. Uh, I'm your host, Mario Garcia, along with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we're all here to talk about SC uh, playing that game, um, which, let's be honest, same game we've seen multiple times this year. That's what we talked about. Uh, it is. Groundhog it was the Day. Stanford game. It was the Oregon State game. It was the Utah game. It was the UCLA game. In a weird way, it was the Notre Dame game, except that one didn't end in quite the blowout. Um, SC loses this game by 29 points, give up 62 points to UCLA. I didn't realize Chip Kelly now 609 yards, 609 yards. Yeah. And it doesn't include the kickoff return. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, they give up uh, nine touchdowns. Nine. Nine times. 
62 points, which ties the most that SC has ever given up, which I believe is uh, 2012 Oregon, 2013 ASU, and now 2021 UCLA. Mm. Two of those with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly has now scored 50 points three times at the Coliseum. Wowza. Uh, UCLA gets the uh, the win. They now go to uh, now have a record of 7-4. and four. One game left for them. SC has two games left. They are four and six. They got to win both of them for bowl eligibility. Let's be real. Does anyone want to see extra USC football this year? Probably not. For the athletic department, you probably want the bowl money. But alas, yeah. What do you have to say, Alicia? Um, that was bad. Uh, it was predictably bad. I think I just about predicted it, except for the 60-point thing. Uh, I just, what what more is there to say about the season? It's just a, a, a crap season with a team that has no mental fortitude that, that just make, you know, physical and mental mistakes constantly. They right. catch up to it. You know, uh, having the drops that USC had on some of those drives was devastating. Didn't get help from the refs a couple times, but... You know, you could spend more time complaining about like the OPI and some of those other things if you didn't also have, you know, bad drops and bad throws and bad tackling and the whole shebang. You could complain about Dante Williams and his uh, settling for a field goal or uh, two point conversion management. Yeah, it's just collective. Those things mattered at the end of the day, and they didn't. Um, and but, it goes to show, and it just goes to show that you know one of the things that we've talked about with the quarterback situation was, um, I think Jackson Dart looked much better as a quarterback, being able to play the whole game, but he yeah. clearly didn't fix the problems well, that USC had. So, it, like, so I want to talk about that a little bit because this was a game. I said that this, I, I I called you on the way home from the game, and I said this was one of those weird games where, uh, you know. SC loses by 29, but it wasn't really that much. We know that UCLA kind of opened up a can in the fourth quarter when, when SC had... They really won the game on that kickoff return, right? Um, but it's a game in which SC had plenty of opportunities in the first half. They go up 7 nothing. They get they have this game plan where they're going to stop the run and force DTR to beat them, which I thought was going to be the right game plan. We talked about that in the preview. Uh, Zach Charbonnet was probably going to run all over SC. So you might as well force DTR to to be the one to beat you because he would be the one more likely to to be prone to mistakes. Well, first two drives, first two passes, those two picks. What does SC do? Nothing. Nothing. Zero points off off turnovers. First drive of the game, even before that, they stall inside the red zone. Two drops. Two drops. Two. that, That would have been first downs to set up a first and goal. Two drops. They don't score. I would have settled for a field goal. And you add on the, the uh, interceptions that they get zero points on, they could have gone up six to nothing. They could have gone up seven to nothing. Uh, they could have got 14, 21 potentially. could have gone up 21 nothing. No, they were up three nothing. Uh, and then it just allowed UCLA opportunities to find a way to beat SC's defense, which if you give someone opportunities to do that, they're going to do it, and the dam broke, and UCLA was able to score a hell of a lot of points against SC, and 
when you're SC's offense and you don't finish off drives, you leave points on the board, you can't go tit for tat. You can't hold serve. And one of the things you and I were talking about on that uh, the drive home, sorry, Keely. Sorry, Keely. Sorry, Keely. Yeah. Uh, there you go, Jake. You're joining along. That's right. Uh, is that I, I had the realization today, not that this is like a profound thought, but SC's offense and SC's defense are just not compatible because this offense is prone to stalls. They're going to stall. They're not going to get the most out of all of their drives, but the defense is going to give up the most out of all of their drives. And I think that in a lot of ways, if SC cleans up their offensive performance in this game, then it's a shootout, and it's a crazy Big 12, Texas Tech, West Virginia-type shootout or whatever that goes deep into the 50s, and it's anyone's game. And it would have been Big 12 bad. It would have been crazy to watch, but probably pretty fun. And that's all you would have wanted out of this rivalry game. But, and that's without changing anything on defense. That's just if the offense makes DTR pay for those early interceptions. That's if the offense scores touchdowns uh, on two of the drives in the third quarter that didn't that ended up stalling, the interception, and the field goal they had to settle. If they just take care of their own business on offense without changing anything on defense, this is a shootout. But SC can't do it. And when you compare an offense that stalls like that with a defense that gives up literally everything, it's not going to work. This offense needs a defense that is very stout. They don't have it. This defense needs an offense that doesn't drop the ball on third and six. This offense is a ball, is a defense is an offense that drops the ball on third and six. Yeah, and you know it's funny that that opening drive I thought was incredibly emblematic of what's going wrong with USC with USC offense and what's going wrong with the UCLA defense. And that is the the game starts with that weird, confused, bobbled snap sort of thing, right? Right. They yeah. go back two yards and then UCLA immediately starts to send tons of bodies on ineffective blitzes and USC zips right down the field and then stalls at the end ends up with three. And it's like that, you know, that's the the worst of both sides of it. Yeah. And these characteristics of the offense, yeah. the stalling the drops. These are the things that you saw with Keaton Slovis. So I think on one hand, you look at kind of like the movement of the of the offense in the third quarter uh, when they were starting to get Gary Bryant downfield, and you're like, well, this is kind of fun to watch. It was so brief, and then the reality is, no, this is literally the same offense that SC's had against Stanford, against Oregon State, against Utah, when there were glimpses the same glimpses of hope uh, put together with all the different stalls. That's the same stuff you had with, with Keaton Slovis, even with Jackson Dart. It's the same offense, which is why we talked all year that the quarterback change was not going to solve the problem as it stood. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the, I think watching Jackson Dart run this offense is more fun because Jackson Dart is more likely to YOLO. But that doesn't make it more likely that you're going to win. We saw him YOLO the ball down to Gary Bryant Jr. several times. YOLO the ball to Taj Washington several times. 
And sometimes it worked out. It still and took sometimes two and a half it, quarters to, for SC to get to that point. Yeah. But, they weren't taking that many shots downfield. Yeah, but once they did, it was like, okay, this is fun. But then you also end up with a bad interception. And that's the way that you just sort of go. So it's not a schematic thing that USC changed. It's just that I think Dart just started pushing it downfield because he was pressing because they were trying to keep up with UCLA. And, and it kind of played into what UCLA was trying to do as well because they're sending all those bodies kind of daring you to throw it downfield. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, and... You know, two like two out of three times it works for SC, but then that other time you get a pick. Well, and if you're UCLA and you're going up against a true freshman quarterback who doesn't have a ton of experience in in the long run, yeah, I think that's the right way to go. You're going to get burned yeah. a couple times, but also you're going to have Dart throw high a couple times too, and you're going to take advantage of those things because he's a freshman who doesn't have a lot of experience. And I think that's one of the frustrating things about USC is that, you know, USC's defense has been very bad this year. But they've played some teams that don't have particularly good defenses either. UCLA's defense has been vulnerable to a lot of teams. Oh, yeah. And it's frustrating because this should be a USC offense that's capable of making UCLA's defense pay. And and that just isn't what happened. And, and you see it in other games. Stanford has been vulnerable. And, you know, Utah has turned out to be a really, really good team since uh, Cam Rising came in. But uh, th- there's just, it's the frustration of watching a team that, has so much more potential and can't seem to put it together. And in past seasons, not being able to put it together has resulted in sort of like an eight and five, sort of nine and three, seven, you know, that disappointment. I think you're seeing this year that what happens when it completely falls apart and can't get anything going and talked about lack of mental fortitude. I think this team just can't take a punch and UCLA got a couple punches in and that was that was basically that. Well, we've talked about before that, you know, under Clancy Pendergast and even under Tyler Lander last year, this was a defense that was going to hold teams about 24 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just the flood. And, it, and if you hold that. teams to 24 points, an offense that scores 27-ish a day a, a, a game is going to win games, right? Periodically, like they're going to be in those games. But when the defense doesn't do their job and you need to be perfect, an offense that is imperfect is only going to put themselves in a position uh, to, to lose games like this. The frustrating part for SC is that you go up in these games and, like, how is it that the defense ends up being the worst of the two defenses literally every time? Literally yeah. in every oh, single no, game. Oh, no, the way that this at, defense at is some falling point, apart is... Like, is... the odds would be that at some point SC would you know, get the better of somebody uh, defensively. And it just has not happened week in and week out. Um, you know, the, the uh, Colorado game and the Washington state game and the San Jose state game were three outliers. Every other game has just been absolutely atrocious for the, for this defense. Yeah. I mean, this defense is, is bad. Um, is it the worst USC defense that I've seen this century? Arguably, I think I, that performance uh, was the worst. That per- <laughs> okay, so we, we talked about it after the Oregon State game. I said that, that was the worst offensive performance I'd ever seen. How do you not say it after that one? After the UCLA game, when Zach Charbonnet has a, a stretch where he he oh. ran 27, 13, 11, and twelve yards. He's just a bum. 
baller, man. The, what my, he had one of my favorite plays like of the UCLA season. And that was one where it was that short uh, and goal situation. And he runs through and gets stopped and then somehow flips his body into the end zone and stays on his feet, by the way, while he's at it. Like, that was, that was awesome. I yeah. just want to say that. that well, cool. the, I mean, <laughs> go Sharks. UCLA has some playmakers. Zach I mean, they Charbonnet, scored nine touchdowns. Nine. Charbonnet is talented, and DTR is DTR is just um, he's a high Merc- ceiling, low mercurial. floor. Yeah, yeah. mercurial. Uh, when his when his floor he, when, is like hell, and his ceiling is, is godlike. Heaven. Yeah, yes. yeah. And uh, and when you got a defense as bad as USC's this year, like that's what you're, you're going to invite him to have a yeah. godlike performance, and I think that's what we saw from him. Uh, in in this game, but it, it's just frustrating because DTR is also, like we said, he has that low ceiling, that mm-hmm. that low floor, mm-hmm. and USC saw that in the first you know few throws, and and we talked about this, we it didn't capitalize, and that's the failure the failure of this team. It's just they they failed to capitalize on those moments that their opponent was vulnerable, and when USC has been vulnerable, they've just given up you know, everything and, and the sun. Yeah. If USC is able to, like Michael said, get that best case scenario, 20 nothing lead. All of a sudden, you know, UCLA played a game last year against Oregon state where they were down big and then they battled back, but they were just always too far gone or the game against Colorado last year for UCLA. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the one thing I do like about Chip Kelly's Bruins, even though maddeningly, you know, they, they've lost too many goddamn games, but they do. They they fight they they fight yeah. all the way through, but sometimes the you know they, when you get them down too far they they don't have enough in the well, tank and that's and that's one of the things that I was very frustrated by is but three nothing's not an insurmountable lead and neither no. is ten seven no so. and and you give a player like DTR the chance and, and this and this UCLA offense too I think to, to going, gain yeah. confidence and suddenly they just are, are are absolutely rolling and Chip Kelly knows how to take advantage of a team when they're when when you're rolling. And I think that that the frustrating part about watching USC this year is a USC has no sense of that kind of now we're rolling and going off you know against an opponent, but it it's it's just like it, you would give yourself an opportunity if this game was close if it was thirty five thirty five like I you put that pressure on DTR not literal pressure of like your linebackers getting home which by the way every time USC blitzes it's incredible how they don't manage to get pressure and that's a big problem but like you know force the other team to have to be great and I don't think USC has forced anybody to have to be great this season and that's why the record is what it is because this team has just been a whole sort of mess I'm gonna ask you a question right now Greg Dulcich, without looking it up, what do you think his stats were? Because I remember thinking at some point in the game, well, SC's doing a good job against Charbonnet. They're doing a good job against Dulcich. They're not letting those guys beat you, and those were the ones that I was worried about for SC going in. How many catches in yards did Dulcich have? I want to save four catches for 87 yards. To, to me, you know, it's always a trick question, but I would say somewhere between, you know, three and five. He always has less catches than I imagine and way more yards than I figured. <laughs> he had two catches. Woo! They were for 
37 and 38 yards. See, that, that's yeah. that's a typical Dulcich day. Well, that's, day. A, that's a good tight end. I mean, that's the thing about tight ends is... is um, yeah, and then Michael Ozeki, one catch for twenty six yards. Yeah, it's it. The, the, he's wide they receiver don't, now, but yeah, they don't have to be volume. But no, he's tight. They don't. They don't have to be volume. It's just when they get open, when when you are able to find them, you get nice chunk plays. A little side thought here, Alicia. Do you have the tight end of the future? Because I saw that dude running around out there, and he seemed like he was pretty good for SC. Like Lake McCree. Yeah, McCree looked really good. Lake McCree, that one that he. That he caught, but then he didn't then catch he it. Got, yeah. And I thought it was a, a good over. Yeah, I, yeah I, but that was a terrific play that's by him. Tough. Yeah. I, you know, it was a hell of a play I mean, to even make it look like a catch. He w- looks like a player that's droolable. It, yeah. w- it was one of the it was one of the plays in which SC converted a third down and, mm-hmm. and should have converted the third down. Yeah. Okay, Jake. but I'm not going to hold that one against him. No, not no. at all. It, it's no. it's the Nixon drop at the five yard line. It's Todd yeah. Washington's drop. It's all yeah. Those. It's the Gary but Bryant Jr.'s Jake, drop at the midfield. Those are the to ones. answer your question. USC has had tight ends of the future on the roster forever. Yeah, yeah, Nails, baby. Um. Well, okay. And the guys that Malcolm I can't Epps pronounce their looks, names. Malcolm Epps looks good. Michael Trigg is it was injured. It looks like a tight end. Daniel Wanderbeck. Yeah. Uh, bye 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 bye. Lake, Lake McCree. Bye bye, bye bye All these dudes. All these dudes can play that position. USC is just absolutely miserable at, at getting something out of their tight end. So I know this is probably the best tight end game of the season. I, I was. Argue. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm bumping around here, skipping around a little bit. But early on, against uh, you know, talking about how UCLA kind of exploded, you know, and Michael's talking about the two catches from Dulcich, but. I was really impressed. I think I, I might have said this on my show too, but I was really impressed with how tight the coverage was on the Bruins early. Early, because yeah. I'm used to seeing guys running wide open and then just and they were later and they were later yeah. like uh, that that stopped. But I was impressed by that, and I was also impressed by the um, SC running game early on. Like I know you guys have been talking up uh, Keontae and um, Vi, but they he, they were both very good at you know getting extra yards. A la Charbonnet, and then also like spinning out of some of the contact. Like I was very impressed with those I, guys. I, Keontae Ingram, I just, I mean, and Vi has been my guy from day one. Yes. So I'm, I'm like Vi is my dude. I love him. But there's something about watching Keontae Ingram that reminds me of Ronald Jones in the sense that it's just really gratifying to watch him with the ball in his hands. It just you don't know which way. He, like it's one of those things where I feel like it's lazy. Until you watch him and you're like, no, but he really does yeah, there's look something like, else. Like it's lazy to pick the the, the Texas guy with dreads, right? Yeah. Like that's lazy. Yeah. But then you watch him. He's and like he, makes, a, he makes cuts just he's like a, he's a slightly bigger, beefier Ronald. He seems very yeah. smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah very super smooth. smooth. I mean, whether he's turning so, or what, you know, whatever, yeah. it's just smooth. So here's I, my a my bummer. Dream. By the way, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, a bummer for Keontae Ingram fantasy owner. That he, he never get gets to get he the touchdowns, get right? Yeah, because Vi would come in and clean off those drives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so Keontae, I th- I believe, still has a, a season of eligibility if he wants to come back to USC. Oh. And one of the things that I really hope, and I don't know if he will come back. Um, there's always an argument for running backs just go to the NFL if they can. But if he does come back, like my dream is that USC brings in a new coaching staff that brings in a. a, a an offense that you want to sort of build your Keontae Ingram is a player that I think is worth building your offense around. And I would love to see USC do more with him next year. If he chooses to come back, like that's my, that's my hope. My dream. I, I don't know if I, I can't imagine he comes back. What I is just, he just, he, he should to me, yeah. I think he's got enough film that yeah. he, as a running back, see, more or less film than miles Jack did. 
Do you remember? Do you, I don't know if you guys were inside UCLA joke was that was what Mora said when Miles Jack decided to go pro after he got hurt. He's like, I don't know if he has enough film. I think he needs to hang around a little bit longer. <laughs> or like, whatever, Mora, double middle fingers. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just he, he's been super fun to watch. I think he's been the. It, I'm not going to say the crown jewel of this season because mm. that's Drake, that's Drake that. London. Yeah, But, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is I'm curious what Drake London does for this game. Oh, I, I, I'm... You took the words right out of my mouth. I, I'm... Maybe maybe he helps. Well, maybe in, it's last year's game all over again, you yeah. bastards. It, it could have been. Like, that, would... that could have been... It could have been the, the wrinkle that... I, I'm not... Obviously, he would have helped, but, yeah. like, may, my... I, I don't know... Does he being there help Essie finish off enough of those There's drives no doubt. There's no where doubt. it would have been the shootout that, no, that Essie is in? No, he helps USC finish off a couple of drives, but USC's, I think we we saw this team with Drake London have these same kind of performances where That's what I'm thinking. they just can't follow through in the red zone. So I think that Drake yeah. London, but then maybe it's twenty eight, twenty four at the half, or maybe, maybe it's you know, you see what I'm saying? Okay. It's like, I still think UCLA pulls away in the second half. Either way, I yeah. hope so. But I I would say that the thing that I was struck with this USC offense, I was you know I was surprised at how good I thought Ingram and Vi were. I was surprised at how well you know at at some of the the playmakers, and obviously USC you know we got tons of these great recruits, but. There wasn't that one guy that was just abusing him, and you know the ball got spread around quite a, quite a, quite a bit by the by the Trojans, and there wasn't that one guy that could just dominate and look down on the the poor little Bruin which, defender, which a la Mike Williams done. or something like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so there wasn't which, that guy because we literally saw Drake London do that to UCLA last year. That's right. what I, that's why I'm worried about. Would have done it again this year. Yeah, yeah, he would have made a difference. I'm not sure it's enough of a difference. Yeah, I'm not sure it would have been enough of the difference because, like you said, he was there for the Stanford game. He was there for the Oregon State game. He was there for the Utah game. And the same thing happened. Um, And, yeah, I I think that we've talked about it before, and it's really a mute point. Mute point? Mute point? Mute point. Mute point. point. (laughs) That, you know, if and and I'm not exactly Clay Helton, but if Essie was slightly better coached, just... Not much. Like it just has to be slightly, right? I think they get more out of this season as it goes down. How could they not? I, right. How could they not? Because I think that the Stanford game, the Oregon State game, the Utah game, the Notre Dame game, the ASU game, the UCLA game, all of those games had flashpoints where the things didn't go SC's way. Where you could look at it and say, Well, if they they don't waste those first two drives after the picks um, against UCLA, what what would it have been if they would have started the game 17 nothing? Yeah. What would the, the Utah game have been if they would have finished off their drives early and gone up double digits against Utah on the road? Like, does Utah on the road crumble at that point? Uh, what would it have been against Stanford if Drake London, you know, doesn't catch the pick six uh, or catches the ball that was the pick six, yeah. if... if if you know, uh, was it Gary Bryant Jr. in the back of the end zone, right? Like those things. What if those things would have happened? And I'm not saying that you know just one coach changes those things, but you look at the games in which SC, you know, were thoroughly outcoached, and this is surely another one. But the ASU game, the Notre Dame game, all these things, all these games. I like. Part of me is like, you look at how bad the defense is. 
this team is lucky lucky to win four games. And then you look at the way games played out, and part of me is like, you it don't have to change. Lucky not it, to have won six already. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's a it's a weird dichotomy there. And again, I think it goes back to talking about how the offense is not compatible with the defense. But again, this is the problem with the with the offense in general it, with uh, with Graham Harrell's offense because there's so many empty calories that you can talk yourself into this BS that mm-hmm. well, if they just would have finished off those, if they. The problem, but that's part but of the, the identity. Yeah, but the identity is you have to say that every week, and when you have to say that every week, then that is the problem. It's not the exception anymore. Yeah, and it's funny too because even at what are, what is this? Either four and four and six, four and six. Four and even six, at four yeah. and six, it's funny because you guys you objectively watch the game and you're like, this offense ain't great, and this defense is dreadful. But you look at the statistics, and it's still a darling of the machines, relatively speaking. Right? Well, S and P Plus still has it's ins- liked USC's offense the entire time. It's insane to me. And so, yeah. like, part of me when Michael's saying, "Well, the defense isn't a good match for the offense," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, of course they're not because they both are shitty." Yeah. You know. But at the same time, there are things there to, for coach speak to prop them up, and yeah, that's where I think that you're you're right, Michael. I mean, you you do need. An overhaul, you do need to have an approach that is complementary, but at the same time, like you also need to get rid of all the empty calories, just like you said. But this is why I I think that this is also the case for this is a yes, you need to tear down the culture and all that stuff. But I don't buy the idea that USC needs a full blown five year rebuild. Yes, but that's not the case. Kelly's good at that. That's what I'm saying. Just call it a year zero. You're fine. (laughs) This is the case is that you look at this and you're like, okay, well, if you just play out these games a little bit differently. Yeah, maybe they go seven and five this year. With maybe if Clay Helton doesn't get fired, maybe they go seven and five. It wouldn't have been enough to, for him to keep his job beyond this, and maybe for that reason alone, it wasn't enough, worth seeing that out. But maybe that's what would have happened, right? Maybe who knows? Whatever. Uh, but the the point is that what SC had, like in some ways, it feels like they're way closer than others, and it is on offense. They feel considerably closer on offense. Which is still incredible, given that this is an offense that doesn't score forty points. They well, never score forty points because this offense is it just improve your red zone percentages essentially by ten yeah. percent, and suddenly you're an offense that scores thirty five points a game. Well, you, you improve your your red zone percentage by fractions, yeah, and you're adding seven eight points more per game. And yeah. if you add seven eight more points a game, you're winning like three to four more games. Per season. And the other thing, too, just on the topic of the rebuild, like on offense, that's where you can turn things around very quickly, too. Right. You just get but, get a big time wide receiver and have them be a freshman phenom, which USC has produced constantly. Right. Like, but I want to take us back to three years ago when SC went out and hired Cliff Kingsbury and that ultimately turned into Graham Harrell. What did we say? We said that all you needed to do was that if the defense stayed the same, the, the defense literally stayed the same, <laughs> that all SC would need to do is if you if you went to an air raid offense and if all you scored was five to seven points more per game, you were going to win two to three more games a year. Mm-hmm. Which I still think is true. Well, they didn't but score. But they didn't that do much, it. Yeah. They, they did not yeah. make they didn't do that bump up. Graham Harrell is not Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and and out. I think that I think by the numbers, literally, I think from twenty eighteen to, to twenty eighteen, it was like a five point uh, or 
18 to 19 was like a five point difference, but it's not, it, it wasn't consistent, right? And, and yeah. we know that this team has not been consistent on offense under Graham Harrell because there was one good month and that was in November of 2019 and everything else beyond that has been not a good. slog and Estes inability to score 40 points really, I would say consistently, but pretty much ever. Yeah, ever. And SC has too much talent not to score 40 points. Mm-hmm. When you look at around the country, how seemingly easy it is to score 40 points because this is the the era in, in, in college football where teams are scoring more than they ever have before. Yeah. And so like, I feel like I can give the defense, uh, not when they allow 62 points, but in general, I can give the defense a little bit of a breather in the sense that I will take a defense that allows 22 points a game when you compare that to the B. Carroll defense is, is laughable, right? But in 2021, yeah, I'll take a defense that allows 22 points a game because a school with talent of the caliber of SC should be able to have an offense that averages 35 to 40 points a game, no problem. Yeah. And SC doesn't. Coming into this game, the magic number for UCLA's defense was 30, right? Yeah. As bad as UCLA's defense is, well, if you get the offense to score 30 points yeah, and the you, defense to hold them to 30 points, you you're going to win. Me, you asked me during the – I don't know if this was on air. And I, don't, yeah, I, think I don't think so. You asked me what the rot index would have been for this game, mm-hmm. and you were like, what's the rot index again? I'm like, oh, it's the number of – basically, if you score this yeah, many points, uh, it's what SC would, would surely win. So it's it's what is the the number is essentially what is the maximum the defense could allow for the offense to 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 do their thing, and I said fifty. Yeah. So if SC scored fifty points, they should win, right? And if SC had scored fifty points, <laughs> they would have lost the game. No, I think if SC scores fifty points, well, I think you're more surely likely, it would have played out differently. I think you're more likely to have UCLA also scoring in the range of 50 points, and then it's just like, you know, whoever has the ball last. Instead, it's 609 yards. Yeah. It's uh, 9.2 per play. Yeah. 21.8 per completion, and uh, six yards per rush. So, yeah. Yeah. But by a point in that third quarter, like, USC was clearly, it was done. So, well, there were the, a lot the, of the yards and points that came The third quarter is wild, though, up. because there was a point in that third quarter where it looked like SC was crawling yeah. back in this. Yeah, and then they I gave agree. up <laughs> a whole and then the return so. was the dagger. Yeah. Yeah. It just the this I'm um, just I'm so over this team. <laughs> I'm I'm done. I, I put on Twitter like at least we're one week closer to having a new coach and the season being over. So I'm so glad you guys get to see that Cal game though. I would rather not. <laughs> Honestly, like I wish that had just been a forfeit. Yeah. What's and the, not just for bowl eligibility, but like like you have you have BYU and Cal now? Yeah, BYU and Cal. That's rough. We have two more games. BYU and Cal. That's rough. <sighs> My hope is that the head coach is announced before that BYU game, but, uh, I'm sorry, not before, uh, before the Cal game, but um, I don't know. My hope is that the Bruins don't do what the Bruins do, and that is blow the game after the SC game the invariably. Cal- and you know yeah. how many times... Well, Cal we- just blew out um, yeah. uh, Stanford. Stanford in so- big game. Yeah, Cal maybe is a little bit more dangerous than they look. <sighs> All right, can, can I go to us? Uh, just to wrap this up, uh, this, this car cast, we're, we're going to wrap it up early. Uh, what is there to say at this point, right? Even though, please, send us your, your emails and your calls. 
RamsRightFanSide.com is the phone number, is the email address, and the phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, Ray Troy! Okay. He did it to me last podcast, so I did it back to him. I said Sekowitz Bruin Show on the last time, and we did that one first. And then he had the nerve on the second show. I... It was by mistake because I once I say the word second, like I know immediately, <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. Comes out I forgive you, Michael. All right. Anyways, <laughs> I just want to go on a slight soapbox, please. Um, one of the things that SC fans loved to, to hate on Clay Hilton about was the uh, the the quarterback decisions, and really, it stems from. Darnold against Max Brown, and people completely held that against him, and he was never going to get over it, right? I want to talk about the Pac-12. Look at the Pac-12. Utah just absolutely demolishes Oregon tonight, right? 38-7. The Ducks? They're wimpy. They don't even have teeth. Stupid Ducks. Hmm. What's that from? The Mighty Freaking Ducks, bro. Oh, that movie sucks. <laughs> um, They all suck. Um, anyways, the movies I'm talking about. You look at Utah; they're eight and three now. Did you say Utes? Uh, are you having fun with your soundboard? I am. Finish your point. Okay. <laughs> no, you you look at Utah, and you know, everyone wants to, to to bash on Oregon for dropping the ball and the Pac-12 for eating itself and all this stuff. Yeah. Why are we not talking about the real reason here? That, that this is a problem. It was not a bad love nine and one teams or whatever? It should have been. Yeah. Utah. I'm right there with you, buddy. If they just picked the right quarterback at the beginning, yeah. can't, if they go with Cam Rising over Brewer. Dumb Kyle Winningham. Do they lose? Does, th- does this BYU team that we see in November, do they lose to BYU? Oh, hells no. Worst case scenario, it's a coin flip, Maybe. right? Do they beat San Diego State? Surely, yes. Surely, yes. They probably win both of those games. A, a road game at Corvallis, let's be real, an undefeated Utah team is losing in Corvallis. That's just what the Pac-12 is. But, you know, like, yes, Clay Helton may, you know, if, if he picks Darnold in 2016, maybe th- at the beginning, maybe things are different. But literally so many coaches make the same mistake. Coaches? And Utah has a chance, would have had a chance to go to the playoff if if they would have just picked Cam Rising at the beginning. Uh David Shaw, if David Shaw would have would have just rode with with uh, McKee at the beginning over Jack West, maybe they beat Kansas State in that first game, right? Like there was a so co- many there, different there coaches, coaches picked the wrong guy. There were coaches out there who didn't think that Joe Burrow was good enough to be their starter. Like yeah, this Urban happens, Meyer, you can put a name on uh, it. Nick Saban has gone wrong with the co- with. With the yes. quarterbacks, like you know, this happens. It's hard all to pick the, the right guy. Yeah. It's hard to know. So yeah, I I think that uh, the thing that you need to avoid doing is exactly what USC did this year: is pick somebody and run with them. Don't do the bullshit of the two quarterback system unless you are doing a package for a quarterback that actually brings something different to your offense. Yeah, and if you have a system that genuinely helps your quarterback, in a lot of ways, the quarterback does. Yeah, but sometimes it does. Yeah, sometimes it clearly, does. clearly. Yeah, and the only thing I say, and I don't want to crap on your point. Um, listening <laughs> to a lot of uh, Bill Riley talk from Utah, right? And um, Utah was a pretty injured and banged up team those first few games, 
But yeah. now knowing what we know about Rising, that's what Riley was saying the first couple games when they started winning. It's like, oh, you can't really pin this all on right on Rising on who's it? Charlie Brewer. You know, it's not really his fault. But I mean, the more of these victories come out where Rising is just a stud. Yeah, he mitigates a lot of those problems. So Utah but, probably doesn't lose those games, or at least doesn't lose both of them. Or it's, all, you know, it's also all about it's also about having a sense of who your team is going to respond to. Oh yeah, and I think that's maybe where USC missed the mark on Dart. Is that like there's a chance that this team would have responded to Dart, and maybe Dart isn't making those dumb freshman mistakes in this game if he's been the starter. For you know, for the last two games. And then again, he was injured. So like circumstances are are not as simple to, as to you can credit, make it out to be. To his credit, I didn't think he made a lot of freshman mistakes in this game. No. no. The two picks he had were aggressive, sure. One, but one like, of them one of them was bad. He throws in a double coverage. It was just never there. The, the first um, one was underthrown, but like it's they're not they're not boneheaded picks. So you live and you die with it. Yeah, I, but, and that's the nature of having someone like Dart play. I don't know though. With the with Slovis coming in with the history he had as the starting quarterback at yeah. SC, I don't he know how he, those, he could have made both made those, those throws. throws. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, we I mean, know, I don't we never know. know. Yeah, I, yeah. I just don't think. I uh, this is something that I want to impress upon people. Things are never as easy as like you think they are when it comes to decision making, whether it's personnel or. Yeah, uh, it's, not always, a, hires, it's not always a binary yeah, decision. Yeah, it's not always a binary you know? decision. Like, There's all sorts of other things that are going on. Sometimes you make the right decision and it doesn't work out because you're unlucky. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you make the wrong decision and it works out because you are lucky. And yeah. You know, much, these are more like percentage yeah. sort of calls, you know? Yeah. Like, and you hope a coach makes the high percentage call most of the time yeah. and is right. able to, you know... Yeah. And is able to kind of uh, be a leader. I mean, those are, those are the yeah. two yeah. main. I think I think the important thing is getting to the point where you're like Nick Saban, where you can make the wrong quarterback decision and you still are going to win those games because you've set up the rest of your organization to be so good that like that one misfortune or that one mistake doesn't absolutely kill you. Like that's that'd the, be the yeah. dream. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Anyways, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, as always, to the car cast. No, really, it's a garage catch cast because right. we're, we're over here uh, with Jake from the What's Brewing Show. Jake, thanks so much for, for being here with us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for all of that. Yeah, you make our show better. We enjoy having oh. you around. Oh, guys. Yeah. That, that makes you're, me feel all tingly. Favorite people. That's wonderful. And, 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 and it's likewise for sure. Absolutely likewise for sure. So I'm, I'm glad to be here, and thanks for having me. And, of course... I'm happy that UCLA won. Because I am. Okay, you can put your soundboard down. <laughs> oh, 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 one last one. I was actively rooting for UCLA today, and it makes me feel dirty. Oh, I love that one. So much. <laughs> it's beautiful. Are you done? Am I? I mean, I could go. I, I mean, you know how many Are penguin you, drops in, I have? You're encouraging him now, Michael. All right. We're, <laughs> we'll, we will see you later. In, I don't know what we're going to do this week. For it's, uh, It's that holiday with the really bad food coming up. I love no, Thanksgiving. Excellent food. Yeah. Bad, best bad, bad food holidays coming up, so I don't know what we're going to do for a recording schedule, but you can have Thanksgiving dinner over here. <laughs> hey, wait, I need to talk to you about your, um, you guys do a cranberry relish that's different. Oh, yeah, you than, need to get uh, them, Sarah. Yeah, I need to, uh, need to. Hit her up. Yeah. It's about the ingredients today. Yeah. We'll see. See ya. See ya. Boop. Yeah. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.